Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You are listening to Cracking the Rich Code with Miss Marilee. Your insider's club from authors and entrepreneurs across the country giving us their best to help us Crack the Rich Code. And now, here is Miss Marilee. Welcome, everyone, to Cracking the Rich Code. I am Miss Marilee. Today, I have a special guest, Mike Skripnik. He is my co-author in book number four, which has just hit number one international bestselling. It's been a wonderful series. There's so much good information in there. It's unbelievable. If you have not got yourself a book, I highly recommend that you do. These people are just amazing. So Mike, he's joining me for a casual conversation. It's really impromptu. I, I never prompt my guests. I never give them any questions that I'm going to ask. Because quite honestly, I don't know what I'm going to ask until we just get in the conversation. And that's what's so beautiful about it. So let me tell you a little bit about him. He is a, an internationally best-selling author. Okay. He's, he's written five, a five-time author. He's an international speaker training hundreds of passionate entrepreneurs. Um, entrepreneurs, did I say that right? <laughs> it's a rough morning. Uh, how to position and grow their business. Which, you know, who doesn't need that, right? Um, I can teach anyone, he claims, anyone. So anybody with any hesitation can reach out because he can teach anyone how to manage their time and their talent to get more freedom to enjoy their life and family. So, and, and we'll get into that because he discusses how, you know, oftentimes the idea of being an entrepreneur, you know, you end up, you're a business owner, but you're a slave. And <laughs> you don't want to be a slave. So his best-selling book, uh, Entrepreneur's Secrets to Grow, Give, and Live, is the perfect guide to show you how to get, give, and give back. So let's get Mike on the line and get this party started. Hold on. Mike, you there? Hi there, Marilee. (laughs) Welcome to the show. You got me. Uh, Yeah. Thank you very much for having me. Of course, of course. It's, you know, it's such an honor to be in my seat because, you know, oftentimes we read these chapters and it's like, wow, that was really cool. But you're, you're so removed, right? And it's like, who is this guy? <laughs> <laughs> and then you come on the show and you hear a live voice and you really get really more than what's in that book. So oh, I read yeah. your chapter. Mm-hmm. I read your chapter and, you know, it really took a turn. It, it it really took a turn, and I really liked, like, I wasn't expecting it. And we're going to get to back, to, I mean, get to that. But first, let me ask you this. What made you give it the title? How do you give it uh, Well, that was, that was kind of one of, one of those, I'm, uh, well, it was a big goal. Um, back in 2008, we weren't in a situation too different than we were, this year when the financial financial meltdown of, um, you know, back then it was the financial crisis and I was about mid career in the financial services industry and really kind of hated what I was. <laughs> I had one of those moments where I was just, I really didn't enjoy um, my day to day. It wasn't consistent with what I was doing in life. It wasn't consistent with my family, my volunteerism and my desire for bigger impact. And so I thought, well, how am I going to like set a goal to really strive for um, and build a business around it? And, and I wrote on my whiteboard at the time, I went, you know, how to give or to give a million dollars charity every year. And kind of in mind, that target, um, I set off to build a business that would do that. I didn't have a million bucks. I didn't know how to give a million dollars. I was in the investment business. So we were in hoarding, not giving. And so I had to learn a whole pile of things to make that happen. And so... And now I try to share that wisdom with others who are striving for their own impact. Okay. So I have to ask you this. What made you, I mean, obviously you just told me, you know, what you went through, but was there a calling, like a calling in your heart to change? 
or was there a uh, um, like an an absolute like just a realization that something hadn't changed? Yeah, I, I guess it was a a realization. You know, when the tide goes out, you get to you get reminded of um, whether you're wearing any underwear or not. And yeah, uh, and and I, my business wasn't. It was actually a pretty good. I had a pretty good business. And I worked really hard to build something that uh, was serving my clients well, but I didn't feel that I was getting my part out of it. And, and it didn't feel like I was heading anywhere with it in particular. And growing up, I, I didn't grow up in a very affluent neighborhood. I, you know, we're in Canada. So um, we would be, what I grew up in would have a lot more shootings if, if, uh, if, <laughs> if I wasn't in Canada and, and we mm-hmm. didn't, you know, the people around me didn't have the same, you know, success and they didn't have the same loving households and I kind of always grew up with this sense of I I had a need to give back in some way I just didn't know how Mm -hmm. and it just I happened to be in the financial services industry and I knew a thing or two about you know what other people could do to maybe you know do that to give give back so I looked at it financially at the time and and so what could I do to maybe redirect a, a numerical goal um but over time, it just turned into something way bigger than that. It, it turned into the, the process of moving people to connect their um, their giving and their gratitude and everything else that's good about humanity um, and connect that with a path to, you know, getting that done. Mm-hmm. No, that's, that's beautiful. Okay, one of the things I picked up that you said in that was that, you know, you're providing value, but you yourself are not getting anything out of it. That is so important. People don't understand. It's like you're constantly like, you know, hitting at it, hitting at it, hitting at it, and then you don't take the time to sit back and go, do I even like what I'm doing? What am I doing? <laughs> there, there were lots of moments. I mean, there have been moments in my career, even after, actually at some point, just as I was making the transition out of the financial service industry to coaching, to help other entrepreneurs and owners and CEOs figure it out for themselves, um, that the word that I would use was I felt disingenuous that um, I was, I was helping people. I was serving people in a way that was good for them. that was helpful for them, but it wasn't in my heart. And so, Mm -hmm. because it wasn't connected, my ultimate passions, my goal, my desire for impact, and the things that valued that I valued most, you know, weren't reflected in my clients in majority. Um, they weren't reflected in the direction I was helping them get, even though it was helping them. Um, it just didn't connect. And, and so that was one of the big things is that everything had to align with it, whether they liked it or not. <laughs> and, and really what happens when you do that um, as an entrepreneur, it's kind of scary because, you know, you become, you have to get comfortable with that, the phrase of it's not right for everyone and you're going right. to pardon the, the expression you're going to piss some people off they're not going to like the, what you're doing they're not going to agree with what mm-hmm. you're doing and what you don't want to do in business is lose clients but you don't want to lose the right clients it's okay if you lose the people who don't fit and yes i had to go through that as well and it's scary because you have to take some courage to to say i'm willing to forego um maybe income or other relationships but you know, at the end of the day, you're better for it. I agree with you 100%. So you're making a point about business, but, you know, to the audience, I want to make a point that sometimes you just got to let people go. They're not the right fit. No. You agree? And, you know, we're we're in the midst, or, you know, I'd say in the midst, but it feels like we've been in it forever, um, of a time in history where uh, – you know, a lot of people have been revealed to be who they are. And, you know, that's always a good thing. When when, when people are, you know, pushed into a corner or, or they're, you know, they're forced to rec- reconcile with whoever they are, whatever it is for them. Um, but a lot of people get to reveal that maybe they weren't the person that you thought they were or the relationship you thought you might have. And so mm-hmm. the, the bonus or the positive of this is that we, we've all been able to kind of identify and align with the people who share the values we share that have a common sense of direction that we have. Um, so yeah, it's, 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 it's an interesting time. But you know, it matters okay, more you about our relationship. How do you, how do you get that discernment though? 
You know, it's like oh. sometimes you just want anything in people, investing in people, and you just hope that they're going to do what they say and show up and all that, and then they let you down. How do you, where's your discernment? Oh. That's perfect <laughs> that you brought that up, actually. we It's a funny, we could have scripted this, but we didn't. <laughs> um, <laughs> the one thing I found uh, back at that time, kind of when 2008, 2009, um, as the world was going through transition, as I was going through transition, um, what I realized is I was let down a lot. And I, maybe it was my hubris. Maybe I was um, just too confident in what I knew. And maybe I didn't take the time. And at that time, it was, I realized that I was let down constantly. I, I, people revealed themselves to be things that I was totally surprised about. And one of the biggest things from an interpersonal standpoint in business and personally was for me that I would, com- I would commit to putting in the effort up front to know people, to understand what motivates them. So those surprises never happen. And then you never actually find yourself disappointed with anybody. You know, you don't have false expectations. Right. You just expect them to do what what they uh, think is good for them or what their motivations are. And if you work really hard and you listen up front, you actually get to, to learn those things. But we most most of us are just listening to ourselves, right, mm-hmm. and our own, you know, our own internal dialogue in that. We're not actually, you know, we're usually preparing for the next question not and our answer, not listening closely to what people yep. are saying we start listening to what people are saying, we begin to learn a lot about what drives them, what motivates them, what's important to them. And I found that making an effort to put that as a priority, you know, it was, um, it was a real shift for me. And so I became less and less um, disappointed, less surprised, um, or even if I was slightly surprised, like, oh, wow, I didn't see that coming. Cause you know, the older you get, the more you realize you don't know. Uh, um, right. <laughs> you know, you tend to deal with it better, right? You go, well, I didn't see that coming, but yeah, I guess that's exactly, you know, they behaved exactly how they should, or they would there be, you, you know, and you know, what mm-hmm. you think they would. So, you know, you become less disappointed in people and more, you start being introspective and you go, well, okay, well, why did I give, you know, a little more to that this time, you know? Mm-hmm. And so you're not disappointed mm-hmm. other people. You just kind of have to look at yourself. You got to own your stuff. You know, true, true. So what you're saying is, you know, it's it's better to be objective and just accept people for their for the way they are, their their decisions, how they choose to speak and communicate and show up, and um, without judgment or expectation. That's exactly it. And and you don't have to have everybody in your life. Like, you know, there's uh, there was there's a fine line between um, you know working with people that you love. You know, you like to like you have an affinity for, and you find friendship, and you seek people out like that, or having them in your life, yeah. or you know, working with an authority that can actually really help you. And mm. you know, I never was you know but the best friend of my clients, and today I I make great friendships out of people I have as clients, but I don't do the reverse. Um, I don't need new friends. I've got some really great friends that I've I've known forever. Right, and they're going to always mm-hmm. be there. I'm going to always be there for them. But we do need to have great relationships and and open, transparent, healthy relationships. And so when I'm working, it's about seeking out me as the authority to help people. And then I give. I just give as much as I can to that situation because people deserve it. They deserve the best mm-hmm. of you. You know, it's a little bit of a Foo Fighters song. Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> make I make sure they get the best of you. Yeah. And, you know, and I, I love your values and what you're talking about. So I have to ask this. Where are you on your faith? Where does that come in? How important Where am is I that? on my faith? Um, yeah, like how well, important my, is my, it? Do you have? <laughs> I, I don't, I, I have fairly, uh, um, I don't have strong connections to God in that way. Or, um, you know, I, I have a strong connection to humanity and the energy of humanity and you know so for me it's it's really about how do I serve people and so when I think of faith I think of it in in a in a faith of you know the the world and the universe and people will and the energy that connects us all is you know some maybe it's a higher force maybe it's a higher power maybe it's just the fact that um, 
the right energy at the right time is working for us. So for my, for me, it's, it's, it's a lot more open-ended. So, well, even with that definition, um, what, what is the barrier you think to just accepting that that would be the definition for God? <laughs> uh, no barrier. You can, you, you yeah. know, that's, I think it's a catch all name for, um, you know, many people. <laughs> I, I find that universally um, everyone has their, opinion about where they fit on that on their faith curve and for a lot of people it's not the same uh, as other it's exactly the same as others but they call it a different thing <laughs> so mm-hmm. right. I, 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 I tend to step away and, and try to be a lot more pragmatic and you know I, I don't think um, anyone's specific faith defines them uniquely separate from other people, but actually brings everybody to the same place ultimately is that there's a belief that right. um, okay. somehow we're okay, all yeah. connected and somehow if we don't operate on a level that attends to certain common values that we're, um, we're not going to be a, a helpful part of it. That's right. hundred percent. We have to be equally yoked. <laughs> um, you bet. No, I hear what you <laughs> Huh? Yeah, you bet. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, it's funny. It's almost like we tiptoe around because we don't want to um, offend anybody and go into the topic or the idea of religion. But we're not talking about religion. We're talking about faith. And, you know, from what you've given me so far, you know, learning about people, learning your part in it, self-discovery, being objective with yourself and just accepting people how they are. All of that comes into play with having faith for how things are going to turn out. Well, yeah. And, you know, I think that there's a mix of uh, we have self-determination and um, in some cases we don't have any determination. (laughs) You know, I I think that we can influence it through energy and I think we can influence it through our mindset um, and our Mm -hmm. actions. but 100%. sometimes it's bigger than us. And I think that's a humility that we all should accept in life that, uh, you know, sometimes it's just not about us. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. You know, okay. So I love where we're going with this. I don't even think we've touched on the book. <laughs> so let me get in here a little bit. <laughs> um, one of the things that you mentioned in here in the beginning, you talked about fear. Now, you were referring to it, you know, as being in fear, being the pinnacle of the industry right right in this moment in your chapter. But let's talk about fear. Like, how real is that? Oh, it's it's pretty uh, pretty real. It freezes a lot of people. Um, mm-hmm. It makes a lot of – it forces a lot of decision-making on, on individuals. It's funny. Um, I think that fear and, you know, there was, there's always a common – one of the here, let me let me just step back from this. So this okay. pandemic forced everybody into an online world, right? And yeah. moving from that personal where you can walk into a room and you have either a sense of trust, and this might even go back to Malcolm Gladwell's book, Talking to Strangers. I don't know, but you know, you we all have a certain uh, belief about how we feel about people, and mm-hmm. uh, and, and then trust comes into play, right? And we, try, we might yep. develop trust immediately, might develop it over time, but we have this construct of trust. And someone asked me about the idea of how do, I get, how do you get people to trust you online because people are investing fairly substantial amount of their capital to work with a person like me, and mm-hmm. how do you tell the difference, right? And so it's a lot about right. trust. And I stood back and thought about, I stepped back from that and thought a lot about trust. And trust is not really about the person on the other end. It's not the person, like, it's not me that people have to trust. It's people have to trust that their fears won't be realized, that their fear of loss, their fear of being wrong, you know, all these constructs of things that might hurt them, hurt yourself, Mm -hmm. is where trust comes from. Because, you know, you know, if you trust someone, then it just worked out, right? Because it People said what they were going to do. They did what they were going to do. Dealt to the way that didn't hurt you. It helps you in fact. So that's right. where trust is coming. And if we are fearful, which is our own idea of how things are going to affect us negatively, either through loss mm-hmm. or some kind of intentional damage that we end up 
receiving, um, that's more about how we trust. So trust and fear are inexplicably linked in that way. Mm -hmm. At least that's what I kind of came to the conclusion. And so my role in, in engaging with people who don't know me or maybe should know me, you know, is about working into that part about the things that they fear the most about gaining a trust, trusting relationship. So what are they worried about? What is going to, what are their biggest concerns of loss of being wrong of, you know, being injured or hurt, right? Where, where does that come from? And how can we, how can we put that at ease and, and demonstrate that we're there to help, to lift up, to be partner in success, right? And not mm-hmm. a threat. So, yeah, I think I, I, I just, sorry, I went off on a tangent there, but it's a little bit more. No, I like it. Deeper. I like it. And I, I consider it. I'm, I, you know, and I, and I hear you because you're basically this fear comes from a lack of discernment. You, you can't, it's like you're flying blind, you know, and people really don't know if they can trust you because they're flying blind. They don't know what to look for. And they don't take it. So yeah. So it's and people are naturally lazy. The, like we're all pretty lazy, right? Naturally, we, you know, if we if we could pick, choose the easiest path to something, we'll choose it. Um, most people yeah. don't intentionally, you know, work harder or make their life harder on purpose. Um, sometimes it happens, but you know, we all would choose the easier route to comfort and happiness that we perceive if we could. And and so. Yeah. It's a lot easier to not do the work, not a lot easier to not engage, a lot easier not to be authentic or vulnerable um, in conversation with others. Um, and it's a lot easier not to listen and put the energy into learning a little bit more about someone else. And so mm-hmm. I, I think that's more pervasive. And when we decide that, okay, we're going to do this, then there's no challenge with discernment because you put in the, put in the work, if you will. Sure, Absolutely. So, you know, with, with all these people that you mentor and stuff, what, what do you think is like the common, the common issue that you're just like, okay, that was going to come up again. That was going to come up. <laughs> you're having to work people through. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, you know, in a, in a business sense, really, it, it is quite like very simple. It's, it's, you know, time or money. I mean, and money is representative of I'm not selling enough. I'm not connecting enough. I don't have the right clients. You know, my message isn't getting through. That's a money related thing in business. And then there's time, which is I, I got into entrepreneurship or ownership um, to get freedom and I don't have any freedom, or at least I don't perceive I have enough freedom. And so, you know, those are very rudimentary things. And that's my grow and my get part. When you step back at, up from it, what people and the people I work with who are similar to where I was a dozen years ago are people who are really getting the sense of I'm not making the impact in my life and in the world in the way that I'd hoped. You know, I do this and I make this, you know, I volunteer here and I give here, but I know inherently that I'm connected to this universe that we're in, in a different way. And I want to find that. But if it wasn't for this darn business or life that's not giving me the, the financial rewards and the time and the freedom I need to have the creativity and the innovation, you know, if it wasn't for that, I could just, I could give more. I could, I could have that impact either for myself or my family, community, or the causes of that. So that's mm-hmm. kind of the unifying piece is that sense that, yeah, it's pretty, it, I'm, I'm doing okay, but just there's something missing and in order to get to that, I need to relieve myself of some of these other things, or I need to solve some of these things. So, mm-hmm. and, and I think if people ask, you know, is it like a sequence? Do you grow, get, and give, or do you give, get, and grow? You know, and for me, it was a sequence. You know, I had an impact mindset, and then I had to grow my business, get more freedom, and the, and the giving just, like, blossom. But for others, they may be in a different place. And so it's more like pulling on, on levers, you know? Like maybe you right. need to do more freedom work. Maybe you're making good money. Maybe you are impacting the community in a way, but you just, you know, you're doing it at 11.30 p.m. on a Sunday night after you work six days in a row. Right. You know? It's rough. Everybody so it's, all, it's, different, it's a different thing for everybody. Right. 
and it is, and then it isn't because we're humanity. You know, we're struggling with yeah. the same things. Mm-hmm. And and oftentimes, I think that people think that they're alone in that struggle, alone in their in that thought process. You know, in the middle of the night when you're laying there, worried about their life and how they're going to manage, and you know, the disappointment that they are to themselves, and how life is not turning out the way they thought, and they're getting older. You know, that's that you're not alone in that. <laughs> You're getting older. I turned 50 this year, and I'm feeling like I'm getting older for sure. Um, I Uh finally realized I don't know anything, and I think that's the moment when you think you might have some wisdom to give. Um, You know, you're you're right about that. Um, I I wanted to one thing that you mentioned was was I want to I kind of hung on was you know the feeling that people um, you know maybe it's not there for them they don't have their back. You know, that for me is a real important thing. I've had some amazing coaches in my life. And mm-hmm. I've had some absolutely horrific mentors and coaches. And mm-hmm. maybe, you know, there's a lot of deeper stuff to this. But, you know, at least at the most simple level, um, what I always felt is when the, the arrangement was no longer monetary and a client-coach relationship, um, I felt uh, that, I didn't have the access. I didn't have, they didn't have my back, you know, even during the financial arrangement, they didn't really have my back. And for me, um, I've gone through some periods in life where my parents, I had my father suffered from mental illness and, you know, right in my early twenties when I probably needed some of the most, you know, best mentoring of my life. My dad was incapable. My parents were losing their business because they had mental health issues and the business climate was terrible for them. And then some of the mentors I found because I didn't know who to find or who to look for weren't very good either. And what I realized is, is that that's one of the most important parts of how I work with people, how I coach people is that um, I want them to know I have their back. I want them to know that, you know, as much as we have a professional scheduled kind of relationship, that there's no moment that when they're struggling the most that they can't reach out or when they have the best opportunity in front of them that they can't reach out. And yeah. that's extra, you know, that's not, that's just a thing. That's, that's actually, I don't think it's that extra. I think it's just part of, you know, the relationship that we have because I, I truly mm-hmm. am, you know, I do have their back and I, and, and they got to know that. And when, you know, it's just like parenting. I don't know. Where you, <laughs> as a parent, um, the more your kids feel loved, the more they feel connected, the more they feel the intimacy of that personal love and relationship that you give them at home, the further they leave, you know, the, the further they can go, they can fly yeah. as far yeah. as they want because they always know they can come back. So I want to give my clients when I work with them uh, that relationship, knowing that they can go as far as they need to. Um, but they can always come back to home base and they can get that nurturing that they need. Um, Mm -hmm. It's kind of an important piece of it all. And I think that's probably one of the biggest differentiators for me. It's just hard to to articulate sometimes. Yeah. No, you're doing great. So as, as a listener, though, I'm thinking to myself, you know, well, I should probably get a mentor. You know, he's saying I should get a mentor. And you say that in your book, you know, you need, you need mentors and coaches, but there's the ego that gets involved and the pocketbook that gets involved, you know, and who's willing to sacrifice, you know, or risk what, you know, money, high paying dollars. I mean, sometimes it's a lot for people who are not the best mentors or coaches. So how do you know, like, what do you look for? Yeah, great question. Because, you know, I, there's that, phrase that old texas phrase about or farming phrase about all hat no cattle you know yeah like the shiny boots and the big hat that might be given an allure to other to people to be attracted to that moment but the reality is there's not much going on behind the scenes and you know that's a buyer beware thing you have you know you have to really understand that um you know people will people who uh, here's a good one you don't have a linkedin profile and you're a coach um, you're hiding your your history. <laughs> that's a good one, <laughs> uh, but that, that's like a simple online version. But let's just talk about it. The, you know, you don't have to have like the best NBA 
coaches, the best player, you know, coaches in the world aren't necessarily people who, you know, won a, a championship, but they definitely have played mm-hmm. the game, right? Mm-hmm. And they have right. had successes. Right. And you want, you know, a coach who's had a success or failure in an area, maybe of business or your industry, you know, that's definitely a winning attribute. Um, a coach mm-hmm. who's been coached and has coaches is another great um, attribute of a, of a good coach um, and a coach mm-hmm. who can help connect you because we're not all the same. Like I don't speak the same language as a lot of people who might be able to benefit from me, but we just won't communicate the same way. Right. And mm-hmm. so there's, right. there's this personal values and a connection that ultimately is important as well, because in order to, um, you know, in order to have communications effective, you have to have the same kind of wavelength. And so that's important as well. And then lastly, a coach who does the work up front, you know, I, I make, I make the, you know, intentional decision to find out what motivates people, but those who do the Mm -hmm. work to learn how, how they might coach more effectively with people up front. I put people through a number of steps to kind of qualify each other to work together before Mm -hmm. we even work together. And, you know, Mm -hmm. they go like, why am I taking this assessment? Well, the reason you're taking the assessment is because I don't know how to coach you, Um, you know, and and it gives me some clues. So doing the Mm -hmm. work up front, um, just like in the, (laughs) I was a financial advisor. So the person you shouldn't work in financial services is the person saying, I'm going to sell you this product or let's go buy this stock, right? Like they don't have your interests at heart. And the same mm-hmm. with coaches. Like if you get into my nine-step program or whatever, um, you're probably not getting anything that's good for you. Probably good for the coach, mm-hmm. right? If you're buying the training online and you're getting a nine-step program, you're probably getting what's really good for the coach because you're helping fund their lifestyle. Mm-hmm. But if the coach is, that says the first thing we need to do is understand you, your challenges, and the biggest opportunities in front of you, and we're going to spend some time doing that, you're probably working with someone who can take you somewhere. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, you know, um I'm sitting there and I'm I'm listening and I'm thinking to myself, how can we simplify this to people who are listening going, okay, but well, how do I tell? How can I tell? And it's like, well, you know, coaches differ because imagine if you had a football coach and wanting to coach you on football, right? And you're listening and listening with the best intention. But you finally realize that you, there's no way you're ready to play football because what you need is a physical therapist. You see what I'm saying? It's like you're not even there yet. <laughs> yeah, one, I would say one of the best things a, a good coach brings immediately is identifying that you're not the right or they're not the right coach for you. Or you might need right. people on your team, you know. Um, that's definitely part of the business I've built under, kind of under the water, if you will. Um, is that, you know, it's not all always about me. You know, when we come to situations or opportunities, it, it can definitely, we bring in the right people to provide support. Yeah. Right. If, if, yeah. if it's outside of, you know, if you're not resourceful as a coach, finding the best people, tools, and systems possible for your customer, then you're right. not doing your work. Um, and then sometimes up front, like I've fired people before we started, for sure. Because it's not a good fit. Like their needs right. might be way bigger or they're not ready or, you know, there's a coach who, you know, I'm not a psychologist. So if people have more significant psychological, mental challenges and they need a life coach in that way, then they should find that. But here's the um, thing, they don't know. See, you as a professional, you're looking at them going, no, I'm not, I'm not the right one for you. You, you know, you need something different. But Yes, but how do they know off the surface? What's that? Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't hear your question. Oh, how how did you're you're asking? How do I know in the sea of supposed gurus who to hire? (laughs) Right. Right, because I don't have any discernment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's a good challenge because a good question because it is a challenge. Um, our mm-hmm. present situation, we used to be able to go to, like, at least go to a training or a seminar or a workshop, right? You used to be able to get that personal experience, that 
you know, there's a lot of importance in that, that, you know, FaceTime, if you will. But then everybody's in this pipeline of online or, or you know, media-based information. And how do you find out who's right for you? Well, you got to watch and listen along for a while. Uh, but at some point, if the person you think maybe, you know, they might have checked a number of the boxes, um, that they might be the right coach, they may understand your industry or your problems, they've helped other people like you, you know, testimonials are great. Credibility is great. I always talk about building a mountain of credibility. And you don't build a mountain of credibility by what I called on someone else's uh, post today, cut and paste credibility. Um, you can't just post other people's quotes and say, you know, I'm a good coach. Like, where's your material? <laughs> Where your, where's your original thought? Right? Don't give me right. another quote from a different coach or guru. Like, what do you right. think about that? And what does it mean to you? Correct. So, you know, if, if someone is not a cut and paste credibility and they've actually done the work, you mentioned I had five books. Well, I wrote five and I've been part of two compilations. So I've effectively published seven books, this being the mm-hmm. most recent one. And, you know, I've done the work. And there are a lot of people, coaches, who've done the work um, and done the work not only in the teaching, but done the work in the learning. You know, I invested yep. almost $200,000 in 10 years on coaching. I did the travel. Mm-hmm. I went to places, mm-hmm. you know, from where I lived, um, getting to Pittsburgh and spending two days and then flying home, that killed my whole week, right? Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to go mm-hmm. to Pittsburgh, but I went. And I went because it was good for my business, good for my clients, good for me to learn. So lifelong learners, if you, if you can identify that in your coaches, that's a very helpful thing. And that's mm-hmm. pretty evident. Yeah. I, mean, you can yeah, see I agree with that. No. You can see it in your coaches. If they're posting everybody else's part in the French shit, um, then they're probably not uh, creating their own good stuff, you know? If they spend exactly. more time posting everybody else's stuff, they're probably not very thoughtful and helpful. Mm-hmm. Exactly. A hundred percent. So, you know, another thing that I think that uh, maybe sometimes people struggle with is the – in the monetary investment for that coach. And I think there's a, a misunderstanding as to what you're paying for. Do you think? Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah, it's, like, I, you know not... it's hard to say, you know, I, it's, it's like that story about Picasso, you know, painting and he was sitting on the street, you know, on the street and someone was just aghast because she didn't realize that, you know, that she would have a chance that Picasso, she asked, she went like, Picasso's right there. Like maybe he can paint me uh, like a character of me or something. And, you know, and he agrees and she, you know, approached him and, and sure enough, uh, he finishes in like five minutes. He's a master, right? And he has his own take on things. Like, wow, that was amazing. How much? And he's like 5,000 francs. And she's like, that's ridiculous. It took you five minutes. And the answer, of course, was it took him a lifetime. It took me a lifetime, not five minutes. Right. So value and the compensation for that wisdom um, mm-hmm. really, in theory, should escalate over time. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's part of it. And so the relationship between what you derive as wisdom from the person who's willing to help um, you know, is definitely part of it. Um, equating that to money uh, yeah, maybe I'm pretty confident that anybody who's making a hundred to two hundred thousand dollars can make an extra hundred thousand um, dollars just working with me in the next year or two. Like we can set them up for mm-hmm. um, another six figures, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they just have mm-hmm. to do with what we do, but you know, unequivocally that that's going to be you give me fifteen and I'll give you a hundred back. You know, it's just not the relationship. Um, <laughs> but in 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 the biggest value is. Coaches that can collapse time for you create the mm-hmm. biggest financial um, benefit, right? So if I yep. collapse time, and if my advice says you do not have to go down the path that will add two extra years to your, you know, your current trajectory, mm-hmm. right? I'm going to save you six mistakes that cost me three years, right? You don't have to do yep. those. You're going to make your own mistakes. But um, let me tell you the ones that are like completely obvious that you don't see right now. 
And if we just get those steps, you're going to save one or two years. Well, what's that value? Right? So collapse yep. time Invaluable. Yep. is the biggest reward. And investing time to do that in, in where it becomes inequitable. In other words, if you can give me a decent idea and a, like here's the biggest, one of the biggest risks for me as a coach is, and I don't know how to pass this up other than make everybody pay in full up front for a year of coaching is that in our first session, I may, we may find the thing that adds six or seven figures to your business in the first 20 minutes. It's unlikely, sure. but we could. The one idea that will change your life forever could happen right there and then. And I can boil down some of my coaches advice or counsel for me that um, it was just that one thing and it changed everything for me. And that was worth five times what I paid for coaching. Absolutely. Right. Mm -hmm. And we spent a year together and I travel all over just to see them, but it was that one 20 minute segment of the time we spent together in that entire year that made it all worth it. Mm -hmm. And so it's not a, it's not a sure thing, but yeah. But if you have a coach who's willing to put the energy in, um, and has the skills, it will be, it will pay itself off exponentially. Mm-hmm. Like it's just, so it's, I, I, I know it's very difficult. I like to just say people just, you know, invest, shut up, sit down, and it's going to be amazing. Like, <laughs> it's always great if you can just have that work out, especially if you intend to help. And But it's not going to be like that all the time. And so, um, you know, good quality coaching, you do get what you pay for. I have invested in things that I went, that's a terrible, that was a terrible deal that I learned and I just didn't do it again. The thing about a business is that it's a business investment. So you, you might get a tax credit, you know, for, for making that investment in business development, personal development. Um, you know, there's other ways to skin it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, that's such an excellent point. It, it just helps so much. So I'm thinking here on this, the whole investment, people why don't you show up? Remember you mentioned that in your book. You're like, why don't they show up? <laughs> and I think we can all feel that and hear it so well and be guilty of it. <laughs> yeah. Why don't people show like, up? Yeah. Oh, yeah, the whole, you know, the, the part about people not going to the, you know, like if they only knew how great I was, you know, and how much <laughs> yeah. they benefit from showing up. I mean, Woody Allen even said it in Annie Hall, like the, the you know, the success is 90% showing up. You've just got to show up. You know, you're not going to learn anything. Uh, You're not going to, you know, get any revelations or new ideas if if you're not in the room. Not on the Mm -hmm. conversation. Right. But, I mean, mean, really, though, why don't we show up? You know, I think we have so many good intentions. And, you know, I'm going to tell you, like, for me, there's some things online that I'll look at and it comes up and it comes up and it's like, all right, all right, all right, you're wearing me down, you know, that type of thing, which is a lesson in itself. But, um, you know, then I'll, it's like I just crack and then I'll buy the program. I'll never open it up. But I feel good that I actually cracked because I like, quit bugging me now. I bought it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, guilty That's as charged. Yeah. What's it's, wrong with that thing? Um, you know, we, we, a lot of, and there's a good reason, a lot of uh, the things, you know, okay, so let's go back to some of the training. That so I do this mountain of credibility training. And one of the reasons yeah. to be, you know, credible and to do the work, right, you know, to not yeah. only market in a way that um, every time someone turns around, they're somehow seeing something from you, right, wherever mm-hmm. they are, but also to see that there's something of value and that you've done the work, right? So, Mm-hmm. Credibility doesn't happen just because you say you're credible, although Muhammad Ali certainly said he was the greatest, um, but he also took the beatings and gave the beatings. So he, he delivered, right? And so if you can back yeah. it up, um, your credibility rises to an undeniable point. The thing is, is you're not going to force change on anyone. What I learned about working with affluent people, I worked with a lot of affluent families in my investment careers, you can't make them do anything. They're not going to buy anything. They're not going to invest anything. They're not going to do anything that they're not ready to do. And once you understand that, only goal is to be top of mind in the right position as the perceived, and I say perceived, authority, because they have to believe it. 
um, mm-hmm. you know, at the right time. And that's yeah. either when they're, they're having or experiencing emotion or something in their life is in motion. So if, if those two things are pre- present, one of those two things is present and you're the person who, you know, is always there and, and is the, the solution they need at the time that they need it, um, that business happens. Right. And you can wear you know, people down, but you know, how do you feel? Yeah. You know, how's that relationship go when you get worn down and finally buy? Positive? Well, no. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> right? You can't get no. beaten into submission and make that the, right. the good decision. Right? Um, mm-hmm. You have to say, well, right. this is the time and the place where I've decided to make an investment in myself and change my trajectory. Okay, so let me let me just you know, I need to cut in here. So what I'm visualizing, even with this little bit of conversation right here, is that there's a difference between there's there's people who are busy, you know, and and are are still on the side of like, you know, lazy. Like maybe just okay, I'm so busy that don't bother me. I have to sit on the couch and just turn the T V on and veg out. Just don't bother me right now. Right? Because tomorrow yeah. I'm gonna have yeah. to do this again. And you're on this whole, you know, like the hamster wheel of, I don't know how to change this. And then where you're coming from, you you know, it's like, well, you got to look at these people and you got to see where they're at and what they're, you know, it's like there's two sides to the story. And you got to look at yourself and go, what side am I on? Am I the one who has yeah, to understand to, people and do I need where they're at? In the pants or? <laughs> yeah. You know, who am I? Am I the couch potato, the one that's too busy all the time that, that I don't have time to invest in myself? That people are trying to understand me and help me along the way? How pathetic is that? <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, and, and, and that person is what I, I call these people ask holes. And me I mean too. it in a d- gentle way, in a funny way. Those are people who will ask for advice, take that's counsel, right. and then go mm-hmm. sit on the couch again. And I had this, we put up these signs in my business for all of my staff back a decade ago is we never, we just wrote it out. Just simple. We never work with assholes and uh, yep. we didn't. And we fired a few and wow. they were like, why are, why aren't you, why are, why are we not having a relationship anymore? I go, well, you'll never do anything. You ask me, you know, for advice constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, I give mm-hmm. you an expert opinion. I do the research. I, do the work, I give thoughtful answers, and you never take it. Mm-hmm. So we don't want to be involved with you. And yep. that might be difficult. And it may not be because anyone has any bad intentions or lack of intentions. It's just at that moment in their lives, they're not ready. And they may never mm-hmm. be ready. Like There are people who are never going to be ready. But that, those who are ready, exactly. when they're ready, it will be clear. And, Mm -hmm. you know, to to allow as many people out there to understand, for me, that's one of the biggest challenges in the digital world these days, because that's where we are. Um, We're not on stages. We're not in front of people. We're not doing workshops. We're online. Is to be out there in the world in a place that hopefully at some point along the line, they went, that person, that Mike guy, you know, I think he could really help. Um, And I'm ready. Yeah. Right. But I'm not going to move anyone from not ready to ready. That just doesn't work. It puts money right. in my pocket and gives people a bad experience. It doesn't make any sense. Like, that's not a good okay. enough reason to wake up in the morning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's, that's a great point, too. I think sometimes people, I mean, this could be a generality, but people sometimes people think or forget that on the other side, you know, the coach, you know, it's like they can make decisions, too. You know, they're, they, they don't want you. They're not interested. It's not about the money. You're not ready. I don't want to, I don't want to coach you. So there, there's, that's like, actually, you just brought it to the surface. That's a great way to decide if a coach is a good coach or not. If the coach looks like they mm. need you more than you need them, uh, they're the wrong right. coach. Yeah. Right. If they're taking, Definitely. if they're, if they're like my 25 year old self, when any client that did was a heartbeat in a wallet, if that's your coach, um, wrong coach. You know, <laughs> wrong coach. Mm-hmm. That is not a good criteria wow. for picking up a client. Exactly. 
Well, I, I absolutely love this conversation. Like, I can't believe how fast this hour went. <laughs> Me either. I mean, <laughs> uh, but it's a typical of how we go when we have good relationships and good conversations with, you know, important people. Absolutely. You know, people absolutely. who are important in life, you know, have a better, bigger impact in their mind. And just, you know what? And I really the, appreciate the your time. Oh, thank you. You know, it, the, we have to make note that when we are genuinely interested, the conversation flows naturally. You don't have to be set up. You don't have to have questions and prepared answers. It just flows because it's an energetic exchange, right? Yeah, you bet. You bet. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, and and I mean, I read your chapter, and like I said, I loved the um, the twist because you know the title. To me, it was like, I don't know. I, how do you give a million to charity every year? So this is what I'm expecting to read about. But then in the end, when you start talking about um, all your tips and things, I'm like, wait, wait a minute. We just changed gears, and I love this. Not that I didn't love the other part. It just caught me by surprise. Yeah. So, so real I quick just, before I just don't end, think I would. Hmm. Yeah, I would ahead. never have gotten, you know, I would never have gotten to the point I did in my business and in the learning in my life um, and the importance of relationships in my life had I not put that ridiculous goal up there. And, yeah. and then I just stuck yes. to it. And I said, this is so important that I, I have to it. figure out how to do all of it in uh, what I'm doing today, how to make that mm-hmm. happen. And and then, mm-hmm. you know, in six years it was double that. And you're like, Wow. Um, and, and after a while, like, while you're doing it, sometimes it's just like, okay, you know, chop that one up to, there's another, you know, we, we helped another family and we did this. And, and then, and then you, then when I sat back and I went, wow, you know, that's, that's more than I ever thought that I could be an important part of, of that giving relationship. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the mm-hmm. impact of that will go on, you know, in, in such a big way. And, you know, I, I guess I, it, it makes me admire some of the people who've done, you know, there's people who give, you know, way more and personal money. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, even a combination. But, you know, I just, it just, the, the the waves that it sends with those tiny little ripples that you start, you know, making in the water is just. Right. Just, sometimes you sit back yeah. and go, holy cow, I'm awestruck by cation of it. You know, and I'm not asking mm-hmm. everybody to, like, donate or money, but if you're a better, if you're better in life and better in your business, then the impact that you'll make in you know your own health, your family's health and wellness, your community, and you know ultimately causes that matter, like you know that is that can be a global effect um, if enough people kind of get the message, you know. So, hundred uh, cool. percent. Mm-hmm. And that we get back to the energy thing. The ripples. You're, you're back to the energy. The energy. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, okay, gotcha. we've got um, about six minutes left, and I, I want to highlight this because this, is, this goes along with our, our whole conversation. You said here, I'm going to read it. The third lesson after a life of good and bad experiences is that there is no valor in the school of hard knocks. There is more value in good decisions, positive experiences, and strong guidance. I cannot agree with you more. I mean, that was just so, so profound. People really need to digest that, take it in. It's like quit wearing this badge of honor because you've had so many hard knocks. You know, there's just. Yeah, you don't, like if other people have knocked against you or you've run into every wall, like that's not a, like a badge of honor. That's because you were too dense or, or yeah. you didn't know. You were, you were, you were ignorant because yes. you just didn't know better. And I was there. That there were mm-hmm. people who can help. Right? Like yeah. I didn't have to hit every pothole. I didn't have to smash in every wall. I didn't have to like do it all on my own, but I did. And, but I wasn't proud of it. You know, I wasn't proud because I looked at other people and I went, how come they, you know, were successful five years earlier or they're whatever, right? And I'm like, how did they do that? Why, why did why? I spend a decade like banging my head against the wall and not figuring this stuff out? And, and for me, the moment I got good coaches in my life and mentors, I just came to that realization that, wow, you know, I never had to go the hardest ways possible, even if I didn't know that that was what was going on. 
you know, if I had a good mentor, a good coach in my life earlier, the one that cared, um, I never would have made as many missteps, you know, and I don't think that that gave, it gave me some amazing stories to tell, but I don't think it made my business or life any better. You know, a lot of people say, well, if it wasn't for all the bad stuff, we wouldn't appreciate the good stuff. No, you don't have to have all the bad stuff. Amen. (laughs) If you purposely don't do it, you don't have to have it. So true. It's okay to have a good life, you know, the whole way. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Absolutely. hundred (laughs) percent. Oh gosh. It's so refreshing to hear somebody say that. <laughs> I just said, you absolutely can. It's like people t- just drop the baggage. You know, when we were talking about the yeah. asshole, right? It's like you just want to carry all this baggage with you, ask questions, ask questions, and then step at your bag and carry on. And you don't do anything. <laughs> yeah, uh, totally. Like, I, don't wish, I don't wish a harder road uh, in front of everybody. And, you know, in, my, in the financial service industry, the old mantra back, back way back when was, you know, every rookie had to just like go through it the hard way. They had to learn the hard way all the time. And I, I just, I don't believe in that. I don't think that that's the requirement. And I, I hired a young guy right out of university and I said, you don't have to learn. I said, I know I value the hard work, but I don't want you to learn the hard way, you know? Right. Um, put in the hard work, but you don't have to learn the hard way. Yep. We're all very uh-huh. capable of making our own, you know, mud pies and stepping <laughs> in them, you know. We're we're going to we're going to all do that in life, but you don't have to do every one of them. Yep. You know when you said you sent a whole deck and over and everything. It's like for now that you're on the other side, people just listen to it and go, "Mhm, mhm." But you're successful now. That's all you hear. You're successful now. No, it's like 10 years is a long time. And how many decades are you willing to sacrifice? to pave your own way. When others have already done it, just let them tell you. <laughs> but, you know, I don't know. Uh, let me give you what it gave me is I decided to sell a business that I built that was, that I turned into something really awesome because it wasn't where my heart was. And it wasn't retire forever money. And in the process, we had teens and we moved geographically. We put our life into upheaval after what everyone would perceive to say, you know, you're doing really well and you just hit easy street. And the reality was it wasn't good enough for me. It, it, it mm-hmm. didn't get the, the important things that we're passionate, that I'm passionate about. You know, it didn't get to my core and I needed to do something else. And that we put all kinds of stuff at risk in order to, you know, find that. And every day we find it a little more. So, you know, even that perception that, hey, you're good. uh, You know, I call BS on a lot of people who seem good because it's a relative term and it's not monetary. It's not um, some perception of success. It's what you feel, you know, your contribution to this planet in whatever way that matters to you. if it's not there yet, then you never feel like you're, you know, that success quite there. You can be right. grateful of all the things you've accomplished, but you got work to do. And I feel like I've got lots of yep. work to do. Yep. I understand that wholeheartedly. Oh, my, we are out of time. I want to thank you for coming on the show and sharing. And, I mean, if people can't understand your value by this conversation, it's like, you got to get <laughs> off the couch and listen again. <laughs> Oh my oh, gosh, Marilee. It's totally true. Your name says it all. Marilee, Marilee. Like, it's so wonderful <laughs> spending this time. You're right. The time passed like so quickly. It was wonderful spending it with you. And, uh, thank you. You know, if anyone wants thank to find you. me, just yeah. you know, try to spell my Go. name out of a Google search or put Grow Get Give in there and you'll find me. Yeah, growgetgive.com. Find Mike. Find them. Seek them out. <laughs> And you can also go to Cracking the Rich Code. We can find you there. Yeah. And you're on Facebook. Yeah. So, bunch of different on ways. Facebook, well, Instagram, am... YouTube, wherever. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Well, Mike, thank you again. I appreciate you. And um, I will see you. I look forward to seeing you in the group and meeting you um, when we get together because we're going to get together. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> okay. Have an awesome day. I'll talk to you later. You, you as well. Be well. Mm-hmm.
Bye-bye. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.